Let me give you a, a little view of Isaiah 40. Uh, turn to the very end of Isaiah. Just kind of flip over until you find it. And go, where's the end of Isaiah? In your Bible, how many? What, what chapter is it? Thank you. Oh, mine too. Mine too. It's chapter 66. How about that? They're the same. How many books in the Bible? How many in the Old Testament? A little slow here. 39. How many in the New Testament? 27. All right. It's been said that the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, is a grand view of the entire Bible. And when we get to Isaiah 40, think of it this way. We've just come past 39 chapters that, in a sense, when you look at them, can represent the Old Testament. And so chapter 40 becomes the first chapter of the last 27 chapters, which can be like the New Testament. What does the Old Testament teach us about? Law. A lot of law, right? Leading to the New Testament, which teaches us about love and grace. Amen. So here in chapter 40, we find a turning point in the prophet Isaiah as well. So distinct that some scholars have tried to um, push for the point that there were two different authors to the book because there's such a, a dramatic point of change that they're going to say, well, Isaiah wrote part of it and somebody else wrote the rest of it. But it's not true. Isaiah did it all. God did it all. Amen? Amen. And it's his book. And so after a lot of what, you know, if you read the first 39 chapters, you'll find uh, judgments and all kinds of things coming against the nations that surround Israel and uh, God bringing judgment, which comes along with the law, right? When you have law, you have judgment. When you have law, you break the law, and you break the law, you're judged. And so there's a lot of that going on. You've got Israel in the middle, and all the nations around Israel are being, you know, God speaking to them about judging them for attacking his people and for hurting his people. And even though God used these nations to at times afflict his own people and bring them back to repentance, uh, when they were done, when they were repentant, when Israel would repent, then God would say to the nation he had motivated to um, work on them. He'd say, now you've gone too far. I only asked you to do so much until they repented. They've repented. Now back off or I will bring judgment on you. So you get this kind of a feel in the Old Testament. We get to chapter 40. It's like this breakthrough to the New Testament message of love and grace. And it starts out right at the first verse. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. This is the breath that God speaks to us when we come to the New Testament because we're coming to the person of Jesus Christ. Right? This, this cross is just more than a symbol. Not just this one, but any cross like this or any cross that we... We put up, or uh, a lot of you like to wear them as, as uh, jewelry uh, and have them as some kind of a, uh, an ornament, in a, in a sense, in your home as a reminder. You may have one on your wall or uh, some significant spot in your home as a constant reminder. And the, the thing that, that stands out in my mind about the cross is that it, when you take it and plant it, it's right in the center of all time. It divides all of time. In fact, our calendar is based on it, isn't it? We'd make a, a tremendous distinction between, you know, B.C. and A.D. and whatever they want to call it now. But uh, still, it is the central point of history, the cross. 
keep that in mind. It's not something that Allah did. It's not something that Buddha did. It's not something that anyone else did. It's something God did. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Right? Jesus said, I've come into the world not to condemn the world but to bring it life. And so as we find this message, like in Isaiah 40, that is the message of Jesus. That is the message of good news, the Gospels. Comfort, yes, comfort my people. See, up until that point in history, there was no hope of salvation other than keeping the law. There was no hope of ever having relationship with God except for through all of the mandates of the Old Testament Scripture, keeping sacrifices and I like we sang that song this morning. Um, I like phrases like this when we when we hit them. See if I can find it without taking too much time. Um, yeah, let your let your holy fire, right? Let your fire fall on this offering. What are we talking about? We're talking about ourselves. We're talking about the living sacrifice. Amen. Lord, come consume me. You all know what the problem is with living sacrifices. Yeah, they can crawl off the altar. That's our that's the challenge we face. Right? And a and a good sacrifice, even in the Old Testament, was only good if it was fully consumed. There's a message in there somewhere. Speak comfort to Jerusalem, cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Wow. There's the message again of grace and mercy. Coming right here to us this morning. If we go down to verse 11, you were just spending time together. I'd like to just preach the whole chapter. I am going to preach through the chapter, but I'm not going to take every verse. But verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. And gently, he will gently lead those that are with young. This is a picture of the good shepherd. John told us that Jesus was the good shepherd. Everyone other than Jesus is a robber and a thief and climbs up a different way, but he's the door of the sheep. He is the good shepherd. And uh, so here's, again, a depiction of the Christ, the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the good news of the gospel he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. That means we're dear and close to his heart. God loves you. God loves you. Even though there are days when you don't think God loves you, he still loves you. Do you dare say it out loud with me? God loves me. Good. Say it again like you really believe it. Now, God loves me. Turn to the person next to you and say, you too. And you too. He will gently lead those who are with young. The, the, the prophet and, of course, the theme of Scripture is written by the Holy Spirit. One great book. 66 different author books in it, but one great author, amen, the Holy Spirit, God himself. In Genesis chapter 33, you don't have to turn there, but we have uh, the reuniting of Jacob and Esau. 
the brothers and Esau's, you know, they're, they're restored together in relationship, which is cool. And uh, Esau wants to go a certain way. And Jacob says to him, well, um, and it's a, it's a depiction of what I've written it in my own Bible, Genesis 33, 13, and 14, as a reminder of this. Jacob says to Esau, well, no, you go on ahead because you can see that I have all these children with me. And I have all these, these flocks and herds with me. And if I go too fast, literally they will die. If I go too quickly, they'll die. And I've been told that, uh, for instance, that little lambs nurse while they're walking. And that's the only way they'll take on strength is to nurse. And so as the sheep are walking, they can't walk too fast, so the little guys will starve. And this says about Jesus, he will gently lead those that are with young. It's significant. Maybe not in the language that we're used to, but here's a picture of this great shepherd, our good shepherd, the lover of our souls, saying, I will not go too fast for you. I will make sure that you can keep up. I'll take you at a pace that you will succeed at and you will be nourished and I will care for you. I will gently lead you when you're young. Now, some of us are old enough to get on with it, right? Amen. We should be hustling. We should be moving along. And, and uh, if you're tired of going too fast, then make sure you produce some offspring so you can slow down. <laughs> you know, disciples make disciples. If you want to slow down, get a disciple and slow down a bit. But if you're not, you know, here the writer of the New Testament said, when the time came for you to be teachers, you had to go back and learn again. That's not a good thing. We do need to mature. We don't mean, you know, be little lammies all our lives. We can stay sheep, but not little lammies. In verse 12, the question is asked, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? (laughs) That's a big hand. That's a big hand. Who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in balance? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? I... I, I think we're talking about a pretty awesome God. Um, we get excited when we see, you know, depicted up here, the Lou Giglio's message on how great is our God. And, you, know, you can hang in for a little while, but when Beetlejuice shows up in some of those bigger planets, see how little, tiny, itty-bitty we are on this privileged planet. See, God is awesome. He's asking us to reflect in this moment the... Who did these things? And really, we have to come to the answer is it wasn't us. My hand's not big enough to have that kind of a hollow to measure the waters of the earth. The span is just the span of a hand. He said he measured the heavens with that. I can't comprehend that. Millions and billions of light years we know exist and it's just the span of his hand 
We're talking about the creator, the omnipotent one, right? Omnipotent, all-powerful. That's what that word means. These words are ascribed to God and God alone. You know no one else who is omnipotent, all-powerful. We know of no one else who is omniscient, all-knowing, other than God, right? So we're getting a little perspective. We're a little smaller in our own eyes. It's okay to be diminished, right, in comparison to him. We're talking about the creator. Hey, maybe we could try this. Hey, Anthony, where's that thing you were leaning on last night? You know where it's at? Can I have that? Oh, that would be fun. It's very spontaneous. We'll wait just a moment and we'll use it. No, I'll, I'll get you into this. Verse 15, with all that in mind, that uh, he didn't ask for our counsel, we didn't advise him on how to make anything, create anything, or set the stars in place. He says, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. Lebanon had quite a number of forests, right? And he was talking about the the wood, the wooded area. Thank you. That was pretty timely that you had that last night. Um, So Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. It's not big enough to have a bonfire for God. (laughs) Uh, Nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. Now, Maybe we should pause just for a moment and say, wait a minute, wait. We're talking about the 40th chapter Isaiah. What we're typifying is this transition between Old Testament law and keeping of law and offering sacrifices to be in right relationship with God and moving into a New Testament model of the gospel, good news, only Jesus can save us by grace and love. And here he says, even if I could set all of Lebanon on fire and take all of its animals, it's not sufficient as a sacrifice for me. Well, I don't know that I could come up with anything bigger or better than that. And if God says it's not sufficient, then I should rest in the fact that the only sufficiency I have is here at the cross. There's no sacrifice I can give God that would somehow measure up to pleasing him if I would need all of the Lebanon forests and all of the animals on fire. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. I like phrases. You like phrases? You ever ask where some phrases come from? Like, where did this phrase, drop in the bucket, come from? We, we use it. We might even say it to somebody, never really even think it. It just sort of passes from generation to generation. I think maybe it came from the scriptures. But if you can imagine a bucket, and something has to be fairly large in dimension to be a bucket, otherwise it would be a can. Right? Or a thimble or a measuring cup or something. But So I thought about going and getting a bucket next door and dropping into it. You got the picture? The drop is all of the nations of the earth. All of them. And God says they're just like... Kind of like we... So we can do it this way. <laughs> That's it. All the nations... I hear other passages coming to mind. Whom shall I fear? If God be for us, 
Who could be against us? Where's our hope? Remember the psalmist said, I'll look to the hills from where, where comes my help. Where does my help come from? Well, the hills he was pointing at and looking at were the hills of Mount Zion. The hills were Jerusalem and the ark and the temple where God was. Well, he wasn't saying my help comes from the hills. Otherwise, we'd have it made. We live at 7,000 feet. I mean, we may not have all the help the Rocky Mountains have, or the Appalachians, but we have some help if, we, if it comes from mountains. Hallelujah. That's why everybody comes up here on the weekends looking for help. But the truth is, I'll look to the hills. That where God dwells in the high place is where my help comes from. Hoping in the nations or the designs of men or even what's going on right now around us all over the globe. To God, it's just a drop in the bucket. What am I trying to help us with? A little glimpse of a good worldview today, at least partially. To get my head adjusted a little bit in perspective and say, hmm, maybe some of the things I'm leaning into that seem difficult and important, maybe are not as important as keeping my focus on Christ. Verse 22. Let's read 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. And verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number, he calls them all by name. The host, of course, is the heavens, right? The hosts of heaven, the stars, if you will. And he calls them by name. We're still finding them. He already knows their names. We're still amazed that when somebody says how many, I mean, if you're going to say, well, there are 18 bazillion galleries, galaxies, excuse me, um, you know, we're probably going to be off by a few. You know, when you're guessing in the billions or trillions, and he just says, oh, that's Barney, (laughs) Lucy, one of my favorites over there. You got all their names. Where does your help come from today? This same creator of the universe who's decided to love you intimately and to know you personally and to provide for you continually. Wow. He calls them by name by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. There's a 
parallel thought that comes in the New Testament about Jesus talking with the Father and said, Father, all that you gave me, I've cared for. All that you gave me, I've held on to. And not one of them has escaped my hand. Remember this? Remember reading this? Jesus said, everyone that the Father gave me is in my hand. I've not lost one. This is his character. He can spread out the hosts and say, none of them are missing. They're all here. I can call them all by name if you have time (laughs) to listen. He has time is just a piece of his whole existence, right? Eternity. But we don't feel like we have much time here. We can't even get to Mars. Do you know that we can't, we humans cannot live long enough to travel from here to Mars? If I stick a baby in a shuttle and launch them to Mars, they won't make it. You can't live long enough. You'd have to take a family unit and have babies on the way and train them what to do when they get there. And they'd have to keep it up if they wanted to get home. And he's just saying, and there's Mars, and there's Beetlejuice, and there's, okay. Not one is missing, and then he looks at us. And even though we're like grasshoppers, according to this passage, God says, I've got all of you right here. You ever hear the old song? It's the singing kids. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hand. And then we develop it, right? He's got you and me, brother. You and me, sister. Hey, let's just say he's got it all. Right there. In his hand. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Now, here's a real serious question to us today. I mean, we're in troubled times, aren't we? I think troubled times have come plenty of times in the history of man. But we have ours now to deal with. And they're serious. They're not to be slighted. I, I, you know, the, what little I know about things, you know, whenever you're fed decides to flood the market with nine, six hundred, nine hundred billion. I mean, we're going to be off by a few and we're working in billions. Extra dollars. They just, you know, push go on the printing machine. Then whatever you saved up, whatever you worked hard for, whatever's in your savings, your IRA, your KEO, your long-term investments, whatever, everything just got devalued. Let's just use a simple illustration. I saved, we'll just pick a number. I saved $10,000 of hard-earned dollars when they were worth 50 cents apiece. Now the government says, I'm going to match your dollars with just printing some extras. So that means mine just got cut in half. So all the hard dollars that I earned, my $10,000 worth five. This is where we're living. And it's not over yet, is it? You know, we can get, there's lots of projections going on, lots of difficulties in the economy. And, uh, and they're real. They're very real. We're, we're, we're staring down some pretty difficult moments. But a good... There's a great light at the end of the tunnel. His name is Jesus. Hey, listen, we're, ta- we're talking about men have been through hard times lots of times, but God has never lost track. And all of what the nations are doing are still the drop in the bucket. I mean, I have got to keep my... 
your sovereign, eternal God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere at once, right? In view. If I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to trust in Him. I was reading this morning Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. And you find these kinds of sentences over and over again. You know, if you're in trouble, the Psalms is a good place to run to. One thing have I desired of the Lord, Psalm 27, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he'll hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he'll hide me. He'll set my, me on high upon a rock. This is our God. This is the one that feeds prophets with ravens. This is the one that can take a few loaves and fishes and make them feed thousands. I think there's coming a point where we will need to depend on and believe in the miraculous power of our God to supply for us in unbelievable ways because he's got us right in the hollow palm of his hand. Is it going to be fun doing that? Mm, Probably not. <laughs> but I tell you one thing that I'm looking forward to it breaking upon the body of Christ. This is a personal hope. This is an aside, okay? Let me step out of the pulpit, the music stand that we use for a moment and say this. I look forward to the difficulty of learning how to live together in community. Because we are so independent. We are so, I'm going to fix it myself. We are so, I'm going to figure it all out. I'm going to do it my way. And pretty soon, maybe your way is going to come to the end of itself. You're going to find that we're supposed to be interdependent on one another, helping one another, loving one another, caring for one another. Okay, I'll step back over here. That's just a hope of mine. I'm hoping that we'll learn how to do that. Really. I'm not sure I really want to share all what I have with you, though. (laughs) See, that's the issue right there. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Rubber meets the road. No, thank you. (laughs) At Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 stuff was in the first church. That's not now. No, what I have is mine. It's the old marriage vows, right? What's yours is mine. What's mine is mine. Till death do us part. Okay. So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Let's be Jacob for a minute. Let's be Israel for a minute. Why do we say, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? He's not paying attention to me. He's not taking care of me. The things I'm going through, he's unaware of. Why? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth, it's a hard word to say, youths. Even the young people (laughs) will faint and be weary. Hey, I did a little woodcutting yesterday with Jaden for about four hours. You know why we did it for four hours? That's all I can hold up. It's as long as I last. He said, how long can we do this? I said, probably till about noon. And I was right. I, let, I made it till noon. I said, when you work with old guys, you got to take breaks. You know, because we need a little rest. We'd learn to work smarter, not harder. You know, let's take that big limb and cut it into little ones so we can carry it. He didn't work me too hard. But even the youths, the Bible says, will faint and be weary. And the young men will utterly fall. But those what who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Where is my enduring life strength going to come from? Waiting on the Lord. And, of course, it's very important that we define the word wait because it says something to us in English that is not included in the Hebrew in the original text. Waiting, you know, sort of like seeing yourself sitting on a bus stop for the bus to come by. Like it's not in your control. You're just going to wait. But you know it's coming. It's got a schedule, and it'll get there, and you'll get on. Now, this kind of waiting, if it was the bus stop picture, would be you not on the bus stop bench, but leaning out over the curb, smiling, looking down the road, and, and going, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You'd, you'd be assuring everybody else at the bus stop, no, it's coming. I've, I've, it's, I can almost see it. I'm, I'm waiting expectantly. I'm filled with faith and hope that that bus is coming. And I'm, so I'm not going to sit around on the bench waiting for it. I'm going to be the first one that spots it. Because my eyes are lifted up and I am hopeful. That's what this word means, to wait with expectant hope. To lift your eyes up above the stuff, the stuff that's going on, and to look to the one who has the answers and the solutions and the care that we need. And to look not in some gasping, desperate sort of way, which we'll experience from time to time, and that's nothing wrong with that, but but really this verse says, I'm looking above the noise and the din and the and the confusion of what the world is going through, and I'm looking expectantly for the one who's got the solutions. doesn't mean I'm not embroiled in some of the stuff that's going on. It just means I know what I'm watching for. I'm not watching for calamity. I'm not watching for disdain. I'm not watching for the end of all things. I'm watching for the one who's in control of everything, who has promised to keep me as long as I wait upon him. Going to wait, expecting, hopeful. So I'm summing this chapter up this way. And the reason I asked Anthony to bring me this because I thought, I need to remember this chapter. And in verse 11, we talked about Jesus, the good shepherd. So before we're out of here, we're all going to do this together. Ready? We're going to say, Jesus is the shepherd. We're going to put our hand out like we're holding one of these. It's just handy that we have one. I wasn't going to use this until I remember that. Anthony was walking around this last night. Kind of looked like Moses. 
David, the shepherd king. Jesus is the shepherd. God is our shepherd. He'll lead his flock like a shepherd, right? And then in the verse 12, we see that God is the creator. And I'm going to do this because he spoke and it was created. So he is our shepherd, creator. He is greater, right? Which is what we found in verse 15. The drop, nations are a drop in the bucket. He's greater. When we get to verse 22, we find out that he sits above the circle of the earth, therefore he is higher. And verses 26 through 31, he is our helper. Okay, can we do Shepherd. Right? Creator. Greater. Higher. And our helper. Would that, does that help you? It helps me get a hold of this and have something, you know, when I'm driving down the street, I can do that with, the, with my knees holding a steering wheel. <laughs> we'll see each other coming and we'll go, oh. ah, freak out. Yeah, texting, we're texting God to get a ticket. He is our shepherd. He's our creator. He's greater. He's higher. And he is our helper. This is the this is the one who loves us. This is the one who has not lost track of where we live. And if it comes to the point where some of us are moving in with each other to sustain each other, then he'll know who moved in with who. He'll know the movement of our heart. And he'll know that we're learning to live in community. I'm not saying we're going to run from the problems. We're going to do everything we can to manage what's coming, right? And we should. We should be mindful of those things. We should do that. But don't be surprised when God's knocking on your door and it looks like your neighbor. And you have to come to the point, maybe it'll be you that's going to somebody else and knocking on their door saying, "Um, I need help. It's coming. I'm looking forward to that part. I'm not sure Peggy's looking forward to that part. Just having people move into our house. We finally got it empty. <laughs> we are lacking the empty nest part. You know, the empty nest is cool. You get the grandkids to visit and then you send them home. Lord, I'm grateful that you are our shepherd. I'm grateful that you are the creator. That you are greater. And you sit above the circle of the earth. You've not lost track. Thank you that you are higher. And Jesus, that when you said that the Father had given you a name is higher than any other name. That is so true. You are exalted as Lord. And in all these things, you are our helper. Lord, it's because of what you want to do and how you want to show yourself mighty on behalf of your body and how that in doing so it will demonstrate your love and care for us and will make us as the church, your bride, attractive to those who have yet to come to faith. Lord, not that they would be left out, but rather that they would be gathered in in these last days. 
that all hearts would trust you, that our neighbors, our friends, our family, who have yet to come to faith in you, will see demonstrated your love for us, your care for us, and give us the ability to be that care and love for them. Lord, we thank you for making us your people, calling us to yourself. We surrendered earlier when we sang, and we do it again in closing. We surrender everything to you. Let that become a truth about us that we grow into and live out in your name. Amen.